Dancing in the apocalypse! I gotta get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle! I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy-legged women livers might say. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 245. I'm your host, Alonzo Duraldi. Our regular host, if you want away, is eating his way through Europe, and why shouldn't he? Uh, but we have an incredible panel with us tonight, starting off, of course, with the queen of the Midwest, the queen of festival programming and film production and spreadsheet making, none other than our own Drea Clark. Drea, what's good? I will accept challengers to all of those other than spreadsheets. <laughs> that one, unequivocable. Unequivocable. Um, what is good with me, I was already excited about this before I even cottoned to who our very special guest is today, who I have to think is as excited as I am. And that is they announced a new doctor for the Doctor Who franchise. And if you are me and also a fan of sex education, the show and the concept, to be honest, uh, you might be familiar. The actor is Shuti Gatwa. He plays Eric, who sort of the best friend on the show, but also like the steen sealer in every way. And if you are someone who's watched uh, Doctor Who since childhood, like I have, like the doctors, the exciting thing about them is the range of differences, uh, a range that has grown more pronounced the last couple uh, incarnations. And, um, but they're charismatic as hell. And so is Shuti Gatwa. And I'm so psyched. And also Russell T Davies is coming back as showrunner um anyway this is this is delight a delight in my <laughs> world i can't wait to see where it goes i'm assuming several episodes will make me cry i have to admit my my entire overlap with the doctor who franchise was the moment that i had to do it on on what the flick which basically was the entirety of the peter capaldi moment and that mm. was it like i'd never seen it before i haven't watched it since i'm glad they're they're mixing it up and and doing wild stuff but to me that just always struck me as one of those things where like if a franchise has been going on for the better part of my life and maybe even before since I, 1963 yeah i feel like i cannot catch up you know and, and i i i'm sure i could but it just at some point i just sit back and go you know what i missed that train we'll catch the next one i but, will say uh, as a pretty diehard hoovy and i have not been introduced yet but i have to say here <laughs> please please i i don't think doctor who is a show you have to catch up on i think that it is a show that every iteration of it is almost like a soft reboot it often throws its own cannon out with the bathwater. Yeah and like like conflicts with itself quite a bit it's it's almost like a toll it's like it's apropos for tonight's conversation because it's almost like a comic book of a show in that every new creative team is basically creating their own version of the show and most people who watch the show have not watched since 1963 and in fact I have gone through and rewatched all the ones from the 60s and I don't feel like they filled in too many gaps that I was already missing from right. the modern show okay yeah. well not not to get lost here but that sounds great but I'll just say sure. that during my tenure as somebody who was recapping Doctor Who I was constantly having to turn to my more experienced co-host to be like okay walk me through this because this is clearly a thing it's a thing i'm supposed to know and i don't know what any of this means so anyway that's that's how it goes well anyway but that uh, was also the ha second half of the same creative team's sure. era so that might be part of why that was fair like enough that, fair enough well fair. champing at the bits join us tonight and we couldn't be more honored uh our fellow max funster uh she is the head writer for troubled waters uh a comedian and author of a new book coming out in august called star wars exploring tatooine but 
today she's here to be our uh, our Marvel Sherpa, if you will, uh, and our resident <laughs> oh, no. ex- resident expert in all things geeky, Riley Silverman. What's good? Yay. Hello. I wasn't sure what I was going to say was my what's good until we started. I had a thought of ideas. I think my weirdly my choice is that I'm actually weirdly excited about this announcement today. There's going to be a simple favor sequel. Yes. <laughs> like I, if nothing else, if I get a whole other movie of Blake Lively in various suits, I'm thank happy. you. Oh my god. That's all I need from it. I need Blake Lively and I need French music, and that's going to be <laughs> enough for me. So whatever else happens, I hope it's as queer and as as, as weird as the first movie. I don't know. How how you sequelize that story, but I want to find out how they're going to try to do it. But oh, I for just sure. want suits. Yeah. Uh, D- Dave and I had a whole conversation today about how the the the, the movies need like really great uh, clothes wearers, and that that Blake Lively is our generation's fashionista of of the of the big screen. So I am I am thrilled and delighted that that, that that's going to be happening. <laughs> Alonzo, what's good with you? I'm so glad you asked. So. I have, over the years, weaned myself from a lot of trashy TV shows that I was into and then just kind of like lost interest in, faded out of, you know, your your survivors, your your project's runway, um, you know, your, your, your top models, you know, like a, a lot of ones where it's like, you know, I, I'm done, I've hit my wall. Even like Amazing Race, you know, it felt like it was getting kind of repetitive for me. The one last one that I still hang on to that I, I'm, I'm in no way proud about this, I can't defend it, but Damn it, when Netflix drops a new season of The Circle, I am there. And I felt <laughs> especially like firmly locked into being the center of the demographic for that show because not only is there a new season, but it features Mel B and Emma of the Spice Girls Ooh. who play several episodes as a catfish character. No. Oh, it's it, believe me, if you have if you faded away from the circle or never felt like watching it, check out the new season because they are literally spicing it. They were like, you you showed us Lance Bass's assistant. Well, let's <laughs> raise that a few levels. Uh, yeah, exactly. You let's told let's, us what you want, what was you that really, the, really that want. That was the circle, right? That the was Lance the circle Bass's with the Lance Bass assistant, yeah. Uh, so, Which yeah, I no. watched entirely because of your recommendation the first time around. <laughs> well, I, yeah, and I, I, I'm, I'm mortified that I'm bringing this up again in public. But you know what? I, I have never waned in my love for the Spice Girls. We were just talking about the time I made y'all watch Spice World for the Max Fun finale. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's some some tasty stuff, and 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 I think definitely is you know giving the show. Uh, the kick in the keister that any reality show would need in season four. Uh, so speaking of, there's kicks a lot the of pleasures key- to be guiltier about than Spice Girls. I want to say, like, I think that it's a pretty firmly you can you can love Spice Girls and no one's going to judge you for it. That deserves to. I have no guilt. Thank you <laughs> very much. None. Saying, like, don't be ashamed of embrace <laughs> yeah. your Spice Girls. He only oh. has pleasures. I, yeah. no I, I will wave that you were union chat earlier. So. No, 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 no. Of the circle, not of the spice. Oh, okay, never. <laughs> Let's be let's be clear. No, no, no. I hang my Union Jack high. Uh, On today's show, we are entering the multiverse of madness. Later, we'll play a game that will test our attention of magical Marvel terms. 
And we've got something to celebrate. Thanks to all of you, we hit our goal of 450 new upgrading or boosting maximum film listeners. That means we'll be drawing a name from that bunch, and the winner will get to choose a future film for us to cover. Name hasn't been chosen at the time that we're recording this, but stay tuned. We'll have more information about that. Once again, just wanted to wrap up the the, the craziness the last couple weeks by saying thank you. Thank you if you became a MaxFun member. Thank you if you upgraded or boosted your membership thank you if you weren't able to swing it this year but you just signal boosted us and retweeted us or let other people know that the max fund drive was happening and if nothing else thanks for being here and listening and participating and interacting with us we appreciate it we literally could not do this show without you and so we're just so thrilled to have had this opportunity to uh, to hear from you guys and to get that support from you and it's going to be another great year thank you all so much and now it a dick that's right. It's our movie news segment. It stands for Is This Important? Do I Care? And uh, we ask ourselves these very deep questions for each news story. And Dre is actually going to kick it off with something that ties in miraculously to our incredible uh, Max Fun Drive live event. It truly does. If you joined us for our live watch of Dirty Dancing, I thank you. The Pachanga thanks you. <laughs> um, all of us thank you. And now we have been blessed with new news that I feel like we even... I think we incepted. I think we like dreamed it. <laughs> we the secreted it. I think. Yeah. We the secreted it. Um, but just three and a half short decades after the first Dirty Dancing movie, Lionsgate is planning to put out a sequel. The movie will feature Jennifer Grey reprising her role as Baby, but will focus on the next generation of Kellerman's guest and is set in the nineties. And this movie was made for Andrea Diane Clark to enjoy. <laughs> Is this important? Do you care? Oh, well, I, I want like salt and pepper to play themselves. Oh. Like I, I really, if we're going to go 90s here, I, I really want them to, to, to kick it into high as far as like what they're dancing to and what they're listening to. They've definitely said, and we, we actually mentioned this several times, Alonzo brought up during the watch along, that that one really blends currents or sort of your late 80s music yeah. <laughs> with the like 60s music it's flashing back to of like when it was set and so i'm hoping there will be the same strange hybrid in this one but they have said that like the music is going to be a major component of it and a lot of hip-hop which tells me i wonder if the dirty dancing this time around is going to be a bunch of like b-boys like up in kellerman's back office <laughs> like, <laughs> just who, I, can't, I can't wait. I can't. I hope someone carries a watermelon. I do love that Jennifer Grey is coming back. Yes. And they did say that the absence of Johnny is something that looms large, I believe, was the line they used in the press release. Um, but yes, I'm Trey excited. As you know, I wish all the time I could go to Kellerman's. You 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 would want a West World of Kellermans, I think, with a Johnny yes! Castle robot to dance with and fall in love with. For yes, sure. and and also you get at one point you get to throw water on the Ayn Rand quoting waiter. Like, <laughs> for sure, that's like something you can pay extra to do. <laughs> These short this, circuits. This film's also being directed by Jonathan Levine, who yes. most recently did Long Shot, which I really enjoyed. The Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We, we we reviewed it on the show. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Um, and it was so unexpectedly fun. So I have 
you know, more faith in him than I might have in others. Too. Yeah, he he did Fifty Fifty. He did. Um, oh, I love Fifty Fifty. The romantic zombie movie. I'm forgetting oh, that. Warm, oh, bodies. Uh, warm bodies. Warm bodies. Warm yeah. bodies. Yeah. So uh, the Wackness. Like he's you know he's yeah. he's got an interesting record of films behind him. You know we've 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 had our Havana Nights and we had our made for TV remake, but I think the Jennifer Grayness of it all kind of makes this a lot more legit. I hope that it takes some stance. Mm-hmm. as as bold as the original films was about abortion and about you know mm-hmm. the the necess- the necessity for safe and and available abortions uh however they want to do that with you know gender or or any any subject matter um but yeah i i i'm, I'm i want to see how this goes you want the kellerman workers to uh unionize as they're working on their b-boy skills <sighs> you know that it couldn't hurt frankly because yeah. oh. i am sure they're long overdue for a race especially if what's his face the grandson is running the thing by then, neil right? neil, ew, neil kellerman. <laughs> listen he has a degree in hotel management from cornell school of business oh let Fair. us Good point uh, and let us never forget <laughs> that uh all right so uh, meanwhile uh red box oh red box last month we came to you with the news that red box was struggling this week it's a little more feel good i guess if you're a red box shareholder the company is being acquired by chicken soup for the soul entertainment for 375 million dollars uh just as a reminder in addition to putting out books your grandma likes chicken soup for the soul also owns crackle which it acquired in 2019 is this important do you care chicken soup for the soul owns crackle uh-huh. That's that's a Inadic I didn't know from two years. Four <laughs> they, years yeah, three Sony years ago, started like, Crackle, but then they unloaded it onto the chicken soup. I, I we were talking about this before the show. I have this theory that they're doing like when you own the whole first row of of Monopoly and it seems <laughs> useless, but if you can start putting hotels up, then like you can you could win that way. It's like, like a Mediterranean. Ex- exactly. They're yeah. like they're they're scooping up all this stuff that nobody wants, but it's like but it's a it's a way to get stuff out there if you it, it is a pipeline of sorts so if you can you know put something into that pipeline that people actually want to see then maybe you're onto something i feel like chicken soup for the soul probably has an audience share that is still pretty into dvds as a format so I think <laughs> that's <also> like <laughs> maybe part of it <laughs> that's fantastic They've, they're looking at the future riley <laughs> so are they going to be content creators then like does chicken soup of do i need to p- start pitching things to chicken soup of the soul to to have like random they they always have been like i mean i i had not really ever watched crackle but they launched that awful awful men of west hollywood reality show a couple months ago and dave and i were like okay we have to watch at least a little of this car wreck and uh because you are men of west hollywood we are indeed and it did not reflect our lives shockingly enough but anyway um and i think i think that show had a like a chicken soup logo on it as well so i i think they've always been sort of going beyond the books to do other media stuff and now they're they're you know scooping up like ways to get it out there and and i mean like hollywood history a lot of times you'll see like these sort of like a failing movie studio studio will be swooped up by somebody and then like it's easier to at least pick up something even if it's failing that has you know a system in place that has a a mode of distribution you know and then just start pumping money into that and creating stuff that that some audience that maybe isn't currently being served wants to see so they may have the last laugh on this yet 
I think you're 100% right about that, but I also think this is the most real-world example of the BoJack Horseman plotline where whattimeisitrightnow.com was the one making the TV show. <laughs> that they like, like, this is the most, like, you're 100% right, this is a content company that owns, puts things out, but it also seems like such a weird, ridiculous combination of two brands that it feels like if someone put it as a sketch in oh, a cartoon a year ago, like, that's just ridiculous. No one would have done that. It 100% sounds like a line in Rick and Morty or something. Yeah, but, yes. but, but it makes more sense than like you know the GAC people being like oh yes we're gonna launch a new cable channel because that's where all the action is you know True. they're they're at least looking at like you know uh, streaming and other kind of other sort of <laughs> platform so yeah we'll see how joke's gonna be on you guys when I start uh, making a bunch of money from old chicken soup of the soul <laughs> DVD franchise that I uh, kick up <laughs> I'm imagining like the sash that goes with that they, when you become like Miss Chicken Soup or something. I give, yeah, I give myself a new sash for every job. So even if they didn't provide it, I'd have one. You come with your own sash. Exactly. I, I, I will work for sash. Um, speaking of working, nope. Related to movies. I don't do segues. I can't speaking do of, it. It's, it's, it's speaking of movies. It's always speaking worked Speaking of you. movies. Um, our sweet buddy, James Cromwell. Not actually our buddy, but damn do I wish he was. The actor, who some listeners may know best from the motion picture Babe, participated in a PETA action aimed at eliminating the upcharge for non-dairy milks that is common in the United States. How did he do that? In fact, he superglued himself to a Starbucks counter to protest vegan milk costs. He has been a vegetarian since the 70s, but apparently became a vegan during the filming of Babe, which is freaking adorable. Is this important? Do you care? By adorable, that sounded more condescending than I mean. I have respect for you, James Cromwell. <laughs> uh, look, I, I am very much still an omnivore, but I am all about uh, civil disobedience and about... Um, you know, using the platform that you have to get the message out. And so, yeah, if you're James Cromwell and you know that doing this kind of thing is going to get this kind of coverage, then more power to you. Go for it. Do it. I had the, I had the, I met him one time uh, in Dallas during the promotion of uh, The People versus Larry Flint, where he played uh, uh, Charles Keating and he was nothing but lovely. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think this is brilliant, and it is. It, it I think also there's that thing where when you become, when you're like the grandma who chains herself to the chain link fence where the nuclear reactor is or whatever, like you know, you get a certain degree of press coverage and sympathy and uh, leeway from the authorities that you don't get when you're like 19 with green hair. Yeah. James Cromwell and Jane Fonda together are going to like just take the world by storm by, yeah. by being stuck in places. It's a good <laughs> protest to do when you're 82 as well. It's a good protest to be like, I'm going to stay on this counter and I'm not going to do sit. anything but stay on this counter. I'm going right. to sit on this counter. You know how I'm going to yeah. protest? I'm sitting right here. I protest that way all the time. People just don't know I'm protesting. Do, yeah. do Starbucks have seats at the counter? I would, It seems like that's always a standing I don't situation. know. I think he glued think himself directly the to itself. the counter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um. Which he could easily get on because he's like six foot seven as well. This is true. I'll also add, um, I'm friends with people who've produced things with him. And I was talking to them when this news story came up. And they were like, oh, did he get arrested this time? Oh, he didn't even get arrested. Apparently, he gets arrested for protesting things all the time. Uh. Like, (laughs) he is a big time protester getting his voice out. You know what? If you have a platform and you care about things and you're 82 and have no more Fs to give, 
this is the way to go. Yeah, apparently he was arrested at SeaWorld for protesting orcas in 2017. So a little bit of a blackfish uh, relevance mm. to the films as well. So There you go. And, you know, look, Robert Altman, the the film he was working on when he died was a, a, a narrative uh, remake of the documentary Hands on a Hard Body. So Ooh. clearly, if, if somebody does make that movie, Cromwell has shown that he can remain in place with his hand not moving. So. As long as it's glued. Yeah. Exactly. So very exciting. Well, well done, Farmer Hoggett. That'll do. Uh, all right. We will be back in a moment. Uh, when we come back, things are going to get strange. Soylent, the original food tech company, makes nutritious and delicious nutrition products in convenient formats. Soylent Complete Meal, in convenient ready-to-drink shake and powder formats, provides 20 grams of plant-based protein, 39 essential nutrients, healthy fats, and 400 calories of slower-burning carbohydrates in one delicious serving. That is right. Soylent comes in a few different formats. I appreciate the Soylent Complete Meal because of the 20 grams of protein, but their Soylent Squared also has a lot of protein in it. And I've discovered these, I know nothing about nutrition, but what I do know is that protein makes me feel fuller for longer, which is kind of key when I'm snacking. And then if I add to it the fact that most of it tastes like some kind of chocolate (laughs) and that there's other nutrients in there and like, Oh, minimal sugars, vitamins, some good omega-3s. These are all quality things. So I like these as snacks because I don't feel guilty and I also don't feel hungry. And that's just how I like to live my life. Guilt-free and hunger-free. Go to Soylent.com slash MaxFilm and use promo code MaxFilm to get 20% off your first order. That's Soylent.com slash M-A-X-F-I-L-M and promo code M-A-X-F-I-L-M for 20% off your first order. Thank you so much to everyone who participated in this year's Max Fun Drive. If you're a member who wants to purchase additional patches, our annual shop is now live. The proceeds for this year's sale will be going to Trans Lifeline. Anytime is a good time to donate to Trans Lifeline, but this year it feels particularly important. Trans Lifeline is a nonprofit for the trans community by the trans community. We're grateful that with your support, we'll be able to help Trans Lifeline connect trans folks to the support and resources they need to survive and thrive. The sale will run until Friday, May 20th. Folks at the $10 monthly level and above will have access to all of the patches from the drive. We also have a special network patch starring Nutsy that all members can purchase. For more information on Trans Lifeline, visit translifeline.org. And for more information on the patches, head to MaximumFun.org slash patch sale. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Alonzo Duraldi. If you want away, is currently enjoying a Royale with cheese. Here with me are... Drea Clark. And Riley Silverman. So somehow today, for the second time in two months, we're talking about multiverses. This time, it's thanks to the latest installment in Marvel's Cinematic Universe, now well into phase four, Drea. Kindly tell the people about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and what's it about? Oh, easy peasy. No problem. Um, Doctor Strange is a character in the Marvel. Just kidding. I'm going to go from, <laughs> from the beginning. Um, no, we're following. He's a Time Lord from Gallif. Wait. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm I took the wrong exit ramp. Yeah. Um, 
we're following Doctor Strange um, because there has been a crack in the multiverse and he is um, pretty quickly aligned with uh, a young woman named America Chavez, uh, who he finds out has the power to go from multiverse to multiverse. And, um, and they are being followed by um, a villain who is trying to get America's power for her own. Uh, and that villain, of course, is Wanda Maximoff, um, our good fr- friend from the Avengers. And um, yeah, so they're squirreling off, squirreling off, squaring off in a variety of multiverses, being chased, trying to track things, trying to resolve different traumas, lingering things they do wrong in every time zone with the same romantic partners or the same people. That's the keynote thread of it. <laughs> it's a yeah, Marvel um, movie. Like, what am I going to... What do you, what do you It's want? one of the more dense ones, too. And yeah. I'm saying that as someone who's a general fan of this franchise, this is one that even I, on my second viewing, was like, oh, okay, I get this a little more now that I did. Like, it's one of the ones that I've had the most, like heavy lifting that I've had to do as a fan to watch. So as someone who's not as big a fan as I am of it, I can understand being like, I don't know what's happening right now. (laughs) I'll say one of the coolest things about this, obviously it's right there in the title, The Multiverse, which is if you've ever been someone who's been stoned or around stoners yourself, you've probably discussed uh, what different versions of yourself might be doing out there, uh, having made different choices. And so there is something fun about getting to see that in play. And they also introduce Introduce, um, you'll see either a different version of characters you already know or brand new characters that but that are also familiar to you. So I think there's there's a good amount of fun that's had with this moving from uh, multiverse to multiverse. But hot damn, this is a horror film and you should know that. So if my uh, pitch of it did not get that across that was it's a sam raimi film and like mi- midway i was like oh cool like you know we do, we do some things that nodded to the aesthetics or um even the template of the first doctor strange of like oh how cool this is what it looks like when reality collapses or like you know when he was fighting the ancient one or whatever or touring around with her but did you guys, like, were you expecting the tone of it? A little bit, I was, because I, I had heard that it was going to be a little more horror-based. And then knowing with Sam Raimi, and like, Sam Raimi can make movies that aren't Sam Raimi horror. He's made Spider-Man movies that were pretty, like, not horror-y. But I think that, like, it felt like that's what they were going for with this. So I, I think that I was expecting it. I was still also very excited by it when it showed up. There was a few like moments where it's like really like solid horror and it's very fun to, I'm not a giant horror person in general because I'm, I'm a bit of a, of a weakling, but when it's like horror elements, but tame enough for me to be able to follow <laughs> the whole story, I'm very on board with it. Like it's not like super like viscerally sure. scary, but yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big horror person either, but I do love Sam Raimi because even his horror stuff is always, it has an element of wit to it. You know, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a puckishness, if you will, to his gore and to his like kind of jump scares. And the moments of raminess were my favorite parts of this movie. But I think also if you're going to give me a movie that has the word madness in the title and, and Sam Raimi's directing it, I'm expecting a little more madness. I, I thought this was relatively tame, frankly. And, and also in terms of, I don't feel like the movie really leans into the bit of, 
the multiverse. You know, there's this great sort of montage sequence where Doctor Strange and America Chavez are tumbling, 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 and it's like, you know, the lighting changes and they become cartoons and they become paint and like all these things that are like, oh, that's wild. But then really the, the entire movie is set in about like two or three uh, yeah. universes and that's kind of it. And it's like... That all have the same, pretty much the same visual, like human-based... Exactly, yeah. Carbon-based yeah. carbon life forms. I don't know. So I was maybe... I was wanting something a little wild in that. I, I had yeah. an okay time at this movie. Like, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. But the further away from it I get, the more kind of questions I have or sort of disappointment that I feel about it and uh, and not to get like super you know like inside baseball about it but like you know when Marvel shows these movies to critics often they will give us like you know like the screening will be on a Monday but the the embargo for reviews won't lift until like that Friday or the following Monday like really kind of gives you time to sort of sit with the movie and write about it Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness got screened on like a Tuesday night and the embargo lifted Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Oh, like we had no time at all to really like, you know, kick this around. And I'm wondering if that wasn't intentional because I feel like there's a lot in this movie that's just sort of like, mm, you know, that it, it, it either, either, I mean, not to get like nitpicky about, oh, this holds together or whatever, but just in terms of. I don't know. I, I, for example, like really the, 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 I think we could say the, the, the idea of the multiverse gets unlocked in these movies in Spider-Man No Way Home, mm -hmm. where Doctor Strange is kind of at fault along with Spider-Man for creating this whole mess. And I thought, okay, well, we're going to pick up from there. But like, that's not even really mentioned in this movie. It seems like he's being reintroduced to the multiverse all over again from another direction entirely. There is sort of a reason for that that's like, unfortunately, out of story, which is part of the problem, is that this movie was meant to be made before No Way Home. And then oh. the original director left. And I think there are, I think the script was reworked a little bit. Like there's one mention of, of No Way Home Yes. Early in this movie, it was like clearly like a, a later scene. In fact, in in No Way Home, there's that scene where they go to the sanctum and it's full of snow and stuff yeah. like that. That was originally supposed to be a reference to like the the climax of this movie, which takes place on a snowy mountaintop. So oh. like a lot of that was reworked because of the director leaving and redoing it. And I I think that unfortunately that does lead to this weird like those these things don't quite click together the way they should because the timeline really got messed up a little bit with that. Interesting. But adding to that, because Loki very much ends on, like mm -hmm. the, the series very much ended on, all right, or do you want, or you want me to do it? I'm going to do it. Like then the whole thing is like, we're going to crack. So there was a moment where someone is revealed in this and I thought it was going to be uh, Jonathan Major's character from oh, right. Loki. Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, cause we're like coming around from the back. And, and so there were elements of that, and it is because in, in ways Marvel's almost made it harder on themselves because they have been so successful in weaving so many stories over so many things that it's it's it shows the the time and care they put into it when they don't have that same mm -hmm. handhold on it because of extenuating circumstance, like losing the director and having to shift things around. It makes an impact because they do um, pay attention to those things so much. Um, but I also, in, in, you know, in terms of the world of it, I watched all of the What If series and found that that actually 
helped me in terms of there were a few characters in this that I was like, oh, I recognize her <laughs> because of what it, I mean, I would have yeah, recognized her. Sure. But, had, you know. had you watched WandaVision? Because that to me yeah. feels like the thing you really need to know yeah, before really you go to. in. So, well, except for I'd love to get into that. So I did watch WandaVision and I loved it. And one of the reasons I loved it is WandaVision's the first to me story of a Marvel story that not only centers on a female experience and the there's so much in WandaVision that I found exciting and like connectable in ways of oh like it's it's very emotional the whole thing of it the whole, it's an origin story for this deeper understanding of what the scarlet witch is and what she represents and the idea of you know when that ends and she's heartbroken at what she's done right she is devastated to what she's done to this community and it finishes and you're very you're critical of what she's done but you're so sympathetic to her so in Doctor Strange, and this has been covered all sorts of places, but would definitely be a spoiler of sorts if you're completely not wanting to know things, feel free to fast forward. Although I sort of already mentioned it, but we we, we <laughs> meet, drop in a spoiler alert. Right? That, that so we're getting the barn. Yeah. yeah, we're getting the Scarlet Witch as not just a villain, but someone with like truly selfish and harmful intent. And I could have gotten there if they had, if if actually WandaVision had been setting that up, but where WandaVision ended with what my understanding of her emotional state and where this began, there was a, a chasm between those two. Well, I mean, WandaVision does end with her with the Darkhold, you know, yeah. with with the with the evil book, which you know, as as has been pointed out by by producer Marissa and Damacoy and others, means this is another Sam Raimi movie about somebody who's you know driven mad by an, an evil book of runes. Um, you know, so I, I think there is a little bit of setup in WandaVision that this is where they would go next. Uh, but it does. I, I I I get that argument, but I also do get the argument that you feel like that arc is completed, and then we return to her now, and she's still obsessing over the same stuff. I I don't agree with that as much. I do think it's a new thing she's obsessing over. I think I think that WandaVision was kind of like the culmination of the previous bit of grief that she had, and now it's like she went through the experience of WandaVision, and then I think like was getting back to it, but then kind of like the consequences of that are now weighing on her, which I, I actually find more realistic than a lot of people seem to with this. And everyone's free their opinion, but I think that like the idea that you don't just get over grief and then put it behind you and sure. move on. Like you move on and then like the next thing bothers you and then you roommate over that. And obviously, yes, the dark hold is a, you know, magical MacGuffin that adds that level to it. It's got very like Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker thing of like, you've fallen to the dark side and this thing is corrupting you. But I do think it's also like, she basically had already had to kill Vision at the end of 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 Infinity War, and that's like the catalyst for what happens to her in WandaVision. Yep. And then in WandaVision, now she has to like erase her sons from her reality, and then like thinks that she's moving on. But I think like once she's actually by herself and isolated and alone, having lost everyone in her life, I feel like it's a, it's like a new round of it. It's like yeah. the consequences of her past war affecting her on this new. That's war a now. good point. I would have just loved, honestly, and this as. Uh, producer marissa pointed out is only a two-hour marvel movie which is almost unheard of i would have loved even the smallest idea of for someone like me who's not familiar with the dark hold more uh like they do say it like that the longer you have it the darker turns you but like give me the the like the thing in harry potter that the 
chain that they wear. Like, you know, like the longer that you have it on, the more you turn into it. I could have gotten more than that just to throw away line because I had watched an entire series and I, I felt like she was so remorseful for her actions. So the grief was real and her as I bought her as a character, I just wanted like one little more bit of this is the the um what happens when you combine this residual grief with this magical property. Right. Yeah. I do think it's uh the movie was originally supposed to come out last year. That was like part of the whole shifting around of of releases and stuff like that. And I do wonder if the movie having come out with a few months after WandaVision versus a, over a year later mm. would have helped it a lot because I think those details were in the show, but just like were forgotten because it's been so long since we saw it. Yeah, because I only remember the Darkhold from like the very end of WandaVision. Because yeah, Agatha like had it too. Agatha was in using it in the show. Right. Oh, right, yeah. right. I want to talk about the ending real quick, which, and this might be a minor point, but like <laughs> this movie sets up what what would feel in normal under normal circumstances like a cliffhanger, like oh no, Doctor Strange has you know because the dream walking, he's also been exposed to this this dark magic. Now he has this third eye, and that's got to be bad news because the last guy we saw with the third eye was a completely evil Doctor Strange in a parallel universe. And then the fucking mid credit stinger, they uh, we we get we get Charlie's there in his clay. We get he's off to his new adventure and he just pops that third eye open like it's just one of his new utility belt tricks. I'm like, okay, is this a bad thing or not? Because you made me feel like, oh no, and now it's like, okay, it's just it's a it's 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 now, you know, it's it's no longer a bug, it's a feature. Well, talk about a horror film thing, because it, it had the energy of when like the hand pops through the grave at the end of a horror film, except for the music track and bright colors of a, isn't it fun when the hand pops through the grave? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a little it was bit. A, it's Danny Elfman yeah. did the score. It's worth yeah. noting. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> tracks. Yeah. Um, my big thought was. Uh, they're going to be annoyed if they have to if someone in post has to add that third eye to every single frame <laughs> of Doctor Strange moving forward. They want it to just be every once in a while. Oh, 100% it will be, yeah. Well, and that actually, if you go into the idea of that this was a Sam Raimi film and that um, it's something else that Marvel has done with the whole MCU, right, is that it's it's one ginormous franchise, but within it, there's all of these subset franchises that each right. have their own tone. And you get your like espionage dad thrillers of Captain America <laughs> and the Thor ones, which are just becoming increasingly uh, weird and Wacky, sexy. Which I love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big Probably fan. my favorite line of the series at this point. The yeah. Thor and Guardians. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and which are a good fit too, um, a pairing. But then with this, I like the idea of Doctor Strange becoming darker or becoming um like an avenue to to embrace different filmic techniques and different because i don't know if Raimi is going to continue with these but i can think of other directors that could broaden and really dig into like oh our doctor strange ones need to be sort of dark and weird and there's certainly people that can do dark and weird in interesting ways 
I'd like to see it become like a sub franchise for different horror directors, each one putting their own different spin on it. Like mm. their visual, like this movie's visuals require this kind of vibe and this movie's visuals require this, but all horror and all based around yeah. that kind of thing. I think that would be a really interesting way well, to go. And, you that. know, I mean, the last one was you know directed by Scott Derrickson, who had done Sinister and Exorcism of Emily Rose. So clearly that's the path that they're creating. And so I mm-hmm. think, you know, they've now created a, a space where if, if the next Ari Aster, you know, can like get subsumed into the Marvel, you know, yeah. uh, tent, you know, as, like as the, the the hip horror person, you know. Although Derrickson is who left because he thought that Marvel wouldn't let him go as dark and horror as he wanted it to. So I feel like Raimi probably was the right choice because he could be a little more cartoonish with his horror, which right. works really well with Marvel's vibe. Well, and 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 I, we're at, we're at the end of this thing, so we can't even really dig into this. But this is an ongoing issue we're seeing with these movies, which is that if there's an auteur here, it's Kevin Feige, and if you're a director who wants to color too far out of the lines, Edgar Wright, they will show you the door. So you know, <laughs> it, the, the 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 trick I think is to find your your Taika Waititi's, your Sam Raimi's, who know how James to yeah. your James Guns exactly, who know how to bring the thing that they do to a project, but still keeping it, you know. What the how how Marvel Disney wants if, to play? If we're giving people yeah. a big leap, I'm all for like Jane Schoenberg from or Schoenburn from We're All Going to the World's Fair, <laughs> getting their hands on this. Um, and the, okay, the last thing I do want us to talk about, and I feel like we've given her short shrift, is the actress who plays America Chavez, Soshi Gomez, Soshi Gomez, who is fantastic and. Uh, no surprise, a character I was not familiar with before this, even though she shows up with a little denim jacket with a star on the back. And I was like, oh, that must be a, must be a uniform somewhere. Look at her. Yeah, she also has awesome. bangs that the whole time I was like, oh, I can't. <laughs> She's got like a twenty-year-old face. I can't pull off those bangs. I I have not read the care the, the 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 comics that feature her either. So this okay. is my my first introduction. And my takeaway was like I like the idea of this character and I like this actress, but I have no idea who she is from this movie because there's so much sort of running around and yelling of exposition going on that I never got a sense of who she was. Like I, I know her backstory and I know what her power is, but like I I hope that we get to unpack her more because. It, uh, it, it, yeah, that goes to what you were saying earlier about the lack of multiverse, lack of universes in this multiverse film. Mm-hmm. I think that if they had reduced the time being spent in each universe and had more of these characters interacting, just like converse, conversing and seeing things, you could have reduced the number of exposition because you could have shown more things. You could have shown multiple Doctor Stranges being a threat in different universes, and you could have had Strange in America bond more in conversation instead of being locked away from each other and then separated for most of the story. Mm-hmm. So she can't grow yeah. as a character. I think that's the big, I think like that's what it, to, to compare it to everything everywhere all at once, which has so many more universes in it, but the story always boils down to this very personal story between mother and daughter. So you can throw as many wild things as you want at the story and your thread is going to be there. And that's what I think this, this movie yeah. really, that's where it missed the mark on. We needed, uh, we needed hot dog fingers in this movie. All right. Yeah. Before we vote, I'll just say uh, her bangs way better than any of Benedict Cumberbatch's wigs. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Fair. Oh, I do want to say Olsen is amazing in the movie. I want to say like that real quickly. Like I think that like yeah. she commits to the bit for sure. Yeah, she. I think she's she's deserved a, a higher showcase for this character for a long time. I think if she'd gotten it sooner, it wouldn't have been as jarring in this movie as it was. 
And I think it's it's good to see her finally getting a chance to unleash. Well, she she got, is, she, she got a show, you know. Come on, yeah. she got that was show. last year. This, she's been in this <laughs> she's been in this thing for like three phases now, and they just finally got her to the show. I, the that show is, was like finally. I'm a big that Scarlet Witch fan, so that's part <laughs> me like I've I've been like mad that Marvel hasn't used Scarlet Witch to her potential for like three phases. So I'm like finally. That's why I think I like this movie. I liked seeing Scarlet Witch being able to be an unleashed fury chaos monster, and I loved it. So that's that's part. I'm also a giant Marvel nerd, so I'm already in the tank a little bit, but I got to see the character I've been waiting to see unleashed, but I definitely also understand how that means nothing to people who have not been following her the way that I have. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> so as we, as you know, Riley, on the show, we vote uh, screen it, stream it, or skip it. And uh, obviously yes, you're, it's not streaming yet, but that's not the point. It's yeah. basically our, our tiered ranking system. So you want to kick us off? Sure. I'll say I'll say screen it. I think that it is a movie that deserves to be seen on a big screen. I think that it is it is a very visually spectacle filled film. So I think that I really, really I mean, this is my wheelhouse. So I really enjoyed it for what it was doing. I, I think I liked it more the second time I watched it. So I, I think I had the opposite reaction you did, which is the more distance you had from it. You started liking it less. I was unsure how I felt about it when I left the first screening, but I couldn't stop thinking about it all weekend. And then when I finally got back to see it again, I'm like, I really like this movie a lot. So I'll say screen it. Cool. Drea? I'm also a screen it. I, as you know, only gone to the the cinema plex. Actually, I don't go to plex. It's too many, too many things. I go to a matinee at a very small place <laughs> um, a couple of times. And I very much enjoyed this. Um, it, it, Certainly, it's one of those things, as you can tell from our conversation, that I had a lot of like, oh, I would have done this and this. But that's kind of the movie that I love, like uh, in terms of a big budget movie. It, it's dynamic to look at. There's so much visual interest. It's its own world. Um, and I was I was very into it and wanted to see it with so many people and discuss it. And so thank goodness for this podcast. <laughs> I'm a stream it. I, I am a little lukewarm on it. I, I, you know, I have a, I have an MCU ranking list uh, on the wrap that I have to update every time I, I see one of these. And actually, I, I realized when I was putting this one in that I had never gotten around to doing like the last three. Like that's sort of been <laughs> my my COVID issues. Like I, so I had to figure out where to, where to put like Shang Chi and the Eternals and No Way Home. Mm. Um, and this one kind of fell in the middle, you know. And I and I was a much bigger fan of the first Doctor Strange because I felt at least he had a he had a more interesting arc. And this one he seems sort of like most of what he learns comes from what. Watching other Doctor Stranges die and being like, well, I'm not going to do that. Um, you That's know. how I learn. <laughs> I think, like I said, I think there's some splashes of Raimi that are fun. Um, I I like the fact that this movie has aggressive fan service that it then completely goes, uh, uh, takes these backsies on in a very interesting way. I love that it trolls the Marvel audience so much. I was laughing so hard. My, my theater was going nuts. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like uh, not my favorite Marvel movie, not my least favorite Marvel movie, and I do like this franchise in general. It's fine, I guess, but uh, you know, I will be curious. I, I hope we get more America Chavez, and I hope we get more America Chavez when we get more America Chavez. So uh, there we are, and I hope America Chavez finds her mothers, yeah, that wherever too, they ended up for sure. Uh, all right, uh, we'll be right back after we hear from another show on Maximum Fun. Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. 
So this is a really cool subscription service. If you are a coffee lover, a coffee drinker, um, they really go out of their way to personalize and customize the coffee they send you. You have a whole questionnaire that you fill out. How do you make coffee? How do you consume it? You know, do you like it iced? Do you drink it black? Do you drink it with cream? Do you want whole beans? Do you, you know, make it in a machine or a French press? Uh, and they, you know, get a sense for what it is you're after, what kind of, you know, coffee flavor that you like, what sort of, you know, taste notes that you want to get from the experience. And, uh, and they, you know, go to these wonderful independent roasters around the country and ship you a bag of coffee. It allows you to sample from different artisanal, um, coffee uh, establishments and and you know the people who are doing their own roast and grind and uh, and you know if you like it then you can know that you want to get more from there and if you don't like it you can tell them so and they will adjust your future orders uh, to fit your liking so uh, whether you're a coffee dabbler whether you are somebody like Iffy who will irritate everyone with lengthy discussions about his coffee process uh, trade is for you. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash maxfilm. That is more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash maxfilm and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash maxfilm for $30 off. Hey, this is Alden Ford. And Mujan Zafagari. And we are here with all the other creators of Mission to Zix. Hello. Hey. You're not going to say our names, too? No, no. It's a no. short promo. Yeah. yeah okay. sort of speech, now, right? with the end of our fifth and final season just a few weeks away, we want to say thank you to Maximum Fun and to every single one of you who has listened to and supported Mission to Zix. Thank you. And if you haven't checked it out, well, Mission to Zix is an improvised space opera with blockbuster quality sound design, a score performed by an actual 60 people orchestra and hilarious guest comedians on every episode and as our final episodes air now is the perfect time to jump on board Mm -hmm. that's mission to zix z-y-x-x on maximum fun welcome back to maximum film i'm your host alonzo duraldi i'm joined by drea clark and rowie silverman Producer Marissa is going to hop in now to test our major Marvel arcana, our arcane knowledge of the Marvel Universe. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, So I have created a little kind of quiz for you all. It was a a wordplay inspired uh, quiz, I think, more than anything, (laughs) because the name of the quiz is Dr. Strange Stuff. Or strange doctor stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. (laughs) (laughs) The idea is that I'm going to name some words or terms, and you have to guess if it is a term from the Doctor Strange Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, There are a lot of words and phrases dropped in this movie. Um, I know I certainly had a little trouble keeping up with them all when I saw it. Or is it a sort of obscure uh, medical world term? (laughs) So uh, what word do we want to use to buzz in? Uh, Madness. There you go. I love it. Okay, so all three of you, if you think you know the answer, buzz in with the word madness and uh, tell me if it is Dr. Strange stuff or Strange Doctor stuff. Are we ready? (laughs) Okie doke. Listeners, I hope you'll play along at home. Okay. Terragenesis. 
madness. madness. Oh, I, th- I heard Riley first. Yeah, that's that's Marvel. That's the Inhumans thing. Yes, yeah, so teragenesis. It's a genetic mutation triggered when an Inhuman is exposed to the mist produced by terrigen crystals. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Great. Okay. Um, next up, Gargantos. Madness. Alonzo. Uh, strange doctor stuff. Um, this is, in fact, also Doctor Strange oh, stuff. Oh, dang. Gargantos is that monster at the beginning of the this particular movie with the eyeball. Oh, um, he has a name. But, but the, it's, there's actually some controversy here because apparently that character is called Shumagora. Yeah, there's a in, copyright violation issue. Mm, I haven't looked at them for sure why, but that's why they changed the name. Hmm. Okay, you ready for our next one? Yes. Shoot. Spinothalamic tract. Strange Madness. Doctor. Oh, shit. <laughs> you guys, Alonso? why am I Strange doctor, Drea. <laughs> well, you were right, Drea. <laughs> you were just... right. You didn't buzz in properly, uh... so I would have to give the points to Alonzo. Drea, you don't get points because you can't follow rudimentary instructions of gameplay. You're like the Doctor Strange of playing this game. I really... <laughs> you, 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 Wilson, you're a bad guy, so I guess you're the Wanda of this game. <gasps> and Drea is, Drea is so against rules and structure and organization, you know, she's so a loose against. cannon. <laughs> you know me. The spinothalamic tract is the part of a spinal cord that um, carries information to the brain about pain, temperature, itchiness, and other kinds of uh, sensations. So, but those are the main ones. Curious. Pain, temperature, itchiness. Itchiness. The main things you need. <laughs> According to the internet. I love it. Okay, here's the next one. Morsicatio bucarum. Oh. Doctor Strange stuff. Oh, sorry, yes! madness. Yes. Madness, <laughs> okay, Doctor Strange Riley, stuff. Okay, you got it both ways. Yeah. not just me. <laughs> you say Doctor Strange stuff? Morsicatio bucarum is a name for the condition where someone is constantly biting the inside of their cheek. Ah. I think I have So that, that. is actually strange Doctor stuff. <laughs> oh, I was wrong. Ooh. Okay. Yes. Yes. I, I thought for sure it was a spell. <laughs> it totally <laughs> sounds like a spell. You end it with orum, and then it sounds like a spell. <laughs> yeah. In the spirit of that theory, sanctum centorum. Madness. Madness. Oh, madness. Madness. <laughs> I said madness even. Yeah, you got it. Okay, Drea. Doctor Strange stuff. Yes. And can you tell the people what it is in the Doctor Strange universe? His, his office. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Fair. building where the building where the his stuff digs in Greenwich Village. Uh, you break the rules and become a enjoy oh, those eye building. rolls on me, listeners. <laughs> I want to go there so bad. I love that. Doctor okay. Strange's office. Well, you can go to a very subpar version of it if you go to Disney California Adventure. Ooh, rare. <laughs> it's not very good. I've been told there's a new show that has America Chavez on it and, and Wanda appears, so I want to go see that at some point. Mm, but okay. The actual yeah. physical space is not as impressive as you want the magical sanctum <laughs> well, to be. I feel like just by virtue of it being in California and not in Manhattan, like it would lose a little bit. Of <laughs> well, there are sanctums all over the world, Marisha. <laughs> There's one in London. There's one in probably Fair one point. in Wakanda. I don't know. In what's the Kamartage? Thank you, Kamartage. Thank you. Yeah. I decided not to put that one on the quiz. I thought that was too easy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Borbogaimus. Madness. Alonzo. Strange doctor stuff. Strange doctor stuff. Do you happen to know what it is? I do not. Yeah, it's a fancy medical term for when your stomach gurgles. <laughs> nice. When um, I have that condition, I do say I've come to negotiate, so it actually does work out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just do a couple more. Caecilius. Uh, madness. Riley. Doctor Strange stuff. 
That's right. It's the villain from the first movie. That's played by Matt Nicholson. That's correct. Oh. Well, I thought maybe that was going to be an easy one, but um, I do think that it sounds so much like uh, like a bacteria you would yeah. find in yogurt. Oh, yeah. But it, it seemed like... I was open to either <laughs> of them being true. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Let's just do one more. Okay. Morgellons. Madness? Alonzo. <laughs> Doctor Strange? Sorry, Strange Doctor stuff? It is, yes. Strange Doctor stuff. Ah. Um, it is a uh, controversial, like um, unsubstantiated condition where people feel like they have bugs crawling on their skin. Oh, no, no, no. So oh, it is sounds kind of like something that would be in Doctor Strange. Or yeah, the movie Bug. <laughs> or the movie <laughs> <Yes>. Bug. <laughs> I'm very curious to know how people at home did on this little quiz. Uh, Doctor Strange stuff versus Strange Doctor stuff. Uh, you can let us know on Twitter or on our Facebook page. Well done, that? Marissa. That Yay, was fun. Marissa, Thank you so that much. was great. You a stumper. That was you found you found some good. Yeah. Yay. Things. She's Bravo. very good at the C section. <laughs> oh. Okay. That's Strange Doctor stuff. That's Strange Doctor. Stuff. <laughs> strange Doctor. <laughs> Moving on, it's time for Staff Picks, where we recommend film wherever one might find it in the theater, streaming, on physical media, what have you. Uh, Drea, kick us off. Mine is not really related to this, so I won't tie it in. But speaking of movies, Chung King Express is Ooh. now available on HBO Max. You yeah, can also it see it via Criterion. Um, this is a Wong Kar Wai film that I love very much. It's from 1997. It does have, I'm sure I could uh, do a comparative literature or comparative cinema of this and Doctor Strange in ways of <laughs> divided storylines, but it's it follows two different stories of two different cops and well, a few different women, um, and they're all kind of lonely and alienated and seeking each other and whatever. And uh, Wong Kar Wai is just the kind of filmmaker, if you are a movie fan and not familiar with his work, you probably heard a lot about In the Mood for Love, which I also recommend. But Chungking Express is so distinctive and such an inspiration for so many filmmakers working today. I think if you watched it, you would be like, oh, I get this. Like Barry Jenkins is a very, um, like regularly speaks about his love for old yes. uh, Wong Kar Wai. One of, the, one of the better things Quentin Tarantino ever did was get that movie a nationwide release. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, I'm very excited. It's now available to anyone with HBO Max or a friend with an HBO Max password. <laughs> Excellent. Riley? I'm going to go ahead and toss it over to Sam Raimi with a Sam Raimi film of mine that I very much enjoy, uh, The Quick and the Dead, which I guess is now finally on streaming. I couldn't find it on streaming for so long. I ended up buying it on DVD last year so I could watch it again. But I, I think I think Raimi is rightfully known for his horror genre work, and there's a lot of really good examples out there that are pulled to mind. Twitter was really excited to talk about uh, Drag Me to Hell a lot this week because of this movie. <laughs> but I think Quick and the Dead is a really another fun, like, divergence down to different different genre you got a lot of younger versions of talent you recognize a lot more nowadays like a like a leonardo dicaprio and a russell crowe so i recommend it it's a, it's a fun pretty like cheesy take on the western genre and i i really enjoy it and i i it's been a while since i've been able to dive into it but i now that it's on streaming again i'm excited to check it out again so i love yeah, that movie i just talked about it in our boco 
I was gonna say that was that came up. That was one of my films that I said I thought I loved more than anyone else, (laughs) except for Riley. Now you have competition. Well, we'll have to have a shootout to find out which one of us loves. I'd be honored. Let's let's get a bracket (laughs) started and let's find an illegitimate (laughs) child. And yeah, yeah, (laughs) sounds like a Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, so for mine this week, I also did not attempt to to tie into to this week's movie, but I wanted to uh, call attention to a film that is opening uh, Friday bo- or today when the show drops in theaters uh, and on demand. So even if you are still not heading back into theaters or if it's not playing near you, you can uh, stream it. And that would be the uh, directorial debut of Gerard Carmichael on the count of three, which premiered at Sundance 2021 and is now finally making it into wide release uh he and christopher abbott star as two friends who have uh you know survived uh, turbulent childhoods and are not faring real great as adults and decide that they are going to commit suicide together uh but then at the last minute decide that maybe they'll give themselves one more day to try and tie up some loose ends in their lives um obviously if the discussions of suicide are uh, uh, you know triggering for you this is not going to be your film but uh this is Carmichael's directorial debut like I said he stars in the film and it's a sensitive uh, look at these you know these two really these characters who are at the end of their physical their their literal and and figurative ropes if you will um and uh, you know it, it's got a really terrific uh, supporting cast Tiffany Haddish pops up and JB Smoove but in very dramatic roles um you know it is a film that keeps you guessing I think very often when you see an indie that is about you know two people who talk about the possibility of dying you kind of know in the first five minutes yeah they are or no they're not and this is a film where you really it could go either way and it would be true to the characters and to the way that the story is being told so uh you know carmichael's on a roll right now he just dropped his rathaniel special which people have been talking about which is great and i was my uh my what's good a couple weeks ago and uh and now his movie is out and i very highly recommend it so check out on the count of three and watch it before next week because we're discussing it on next week's episode. Ah, well, there you go. And, I, see, and you say I'm bad at segues. I'm good at alley-oops. I'm, I'm good at that, yeah. Riley, always a pleasure. Thank you so much Yay. for being our guide through the multiverse. What, uh, what do you got? Where can people find you? What do we need to know? You can find me on the Twitter at Riley J. Silverman and Instagram at just Riley Silverman. And of course, as you mentioned earlier, I wrote a Star Wars. I wrote a Star Wars Woo! book and it's coming out this year. And so it cool. is called Exploring Tatooine, an illustrated guide. And it's a it's an all ages book. And it, it just details all the different stories and events that have happened on the planet of Tatooine, uh, basically ranging all the way from uh, episode one, all the way up through the uh, all the animated shows that have aired, the comic books that have been set in this continuity as well as all the way up basically through the events of Mandalorian season two we we I the book was written last year so I didn't get I wasn't able to get Boba Fett or Obi-Wan stuff in there unfortunately but everything up, up until then is on there we have like one little hint of Boba Fett in there but it's uh and there's a lot of jokes about Tatooine being like the only planet that exists in Star Wars because it's used so often I think that story grows from story so I think if you have a place where stories are happening you're going to have more stories happening there as those seeds grow into later generations of tales and stuff like that and i think that it's like the closest thing that star wars has to a home world so i think it makes sense to use Mm -hmm. it for things um but i i think it really it was really fun for me 
going through and diving into all these tales because it was fun to see how it all kind of tied together and how the layout of this land and how it kind of fits into the overall mythology and, and themes and tones of Star Wars. So that's the big thing. So check, check that out at your favorite bookstore. You go to your favorite local bookstore, wherever you want to go to, just pre-order it, please. It comes out August 30th, and I'm very, very excited to be Yay, Riley, words, so. congrats. congrats. I know. Yeah. Putting out a that's book huge. is always a huge thing. Buy Riley's book. Drea, my darling, thank you for holding down the fort <laughs> with me. Always a pleasure. If you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com slash groups slash Maximum Film or send us an email at Maximum Film at Maximum Our producer is Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. This is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported